health is about more than just staying fit. And with every year that goes by, I'm becoming more and more fascinated by how what we eat can impact our health and our potential, with a particular focus on gut health and the gut microbiome. It's not just what I eat either, it's how I eat too. It's all connected. That's why I've developed my own number one living drinks brand. Number One Living is based on this idea, the simple notion that by putting our well-being first and improving the quality of what we put into our bodies, we get more out of life. My range of kombucha drinks are full of bacterial life cultures, designed for a happy and healthy gut. They're sugar-free, vegan and naturally sourced, so you can feel great on the inside and enjoy life on the outside. Choose from refreshing raspberry, passion fruit or our award-winning ginger and turmeric kombucha. The number one living range is widely available in Sainsbury's, Holland and Barrett's and Boots stores and online at numberoneliving.com. Grab yours today. Okay, on with the show. So hi there and welcome back to I Am. This week we've got some really exciting episodes for you. The Thursday episode is a guest interview with Guru Mook, who is a Kundalini yoga teacher, someone that's been doing that for 52 years and she's traveled the globe working with people with household names that we all very much uh, know of in the Hollywood region and LA and all these kind of places but also she's worked with thousands and thousands and thousands of people whose names we may not know and never will know but has had such a big impact and influence upon them all uh, with her incredible energy her incredible knowledge and her incredible journey which she takes so much time to explain to me and articulate in such a beautiful way and is really open and uh, caring in the way that she does that it's a fabulous interview and i really really hope you enjoy it and normally this tuesday episode would be one where i might try and introduce that slightly and present it in a certain way and build up some momentum towards it but she does such an amazing job with everything she talks around human potential uh, the vastness of that and the ability for humans to really explore everything they can be that separates us from every other being i guess she goes into such immense depth in that way that uh, for me, I thought I would take this opportunity on Tuesday to answer a few of the amazing questions we've been receiving. And I've found a few topics that have come up several times and tried to sort of throw them all together into a little bit of a, a story. And as ever, I have no knowledge on these kind of things, nothing above anyone else, nothing below anyone else, just simply that I'm something I'm fascinated about, something I really, really enjoy exploring, researching. It's become the absolute focus of my life in every situation is my potential and understanding that connection to myself. So with no further ado, that's kind of what this is about. It's about that ultimate journey of connecting to our true self where potential lies where those deeper realms and dimensions of life become available to us and the incredibly complex but again exciting way that it seems to come about and and for me that journey it is all about disconnecting or connecting to who we really are and where there's that disconnect there's the fear the insecurity the doubt the distrust the way that we see life everything comes from that disconnection but the closer i guess in my life i feel i've come to knowing myself through acceptance through love through trusting in myself through having a, a greater degree of ease and confidence in my ability to handle the challenges of my now then i guess i felt that liberation and freedom 
this is the zone on the sporting field that I keep coming back to so often. And it's in that zone, in those handful of moments where there is an absolute sense of oneness with everything around me. I feel like it seems to be this just deeper knowing way beyond words and all those kind of things. And, and it is, I guess, that ultimate connection to a creative power. So for me, the way that I see everything is that our energy and our desire, that's, that's our calling, that's our purpose. That's for me, what I'm so interested in that belongs to who I really am, why I'm really here and, and what I'm supposed to be. But that energy and that calling, I think, gets refracted or kind of filtered on the surface through these beliefs and ideas that we've gathered through understandings and conclusions that we've made and whatever's presenting in that moment. And this refraction, these beliefs, it creates a certain type of energy state that kind of frames that calling. And in my experience, there's kind of been two of those states and obviously in varying degrees, but the two states seem to be survival mode and then the create state. And the more that I feed these states when I'm in them, the more momentum they gather. After a while, they start to become quite habitual, quite sort of familiar, comfortable, and, and definitely self-propagating. They sort of take on their, their own life form and just uh, get on with it. But what's interesting is that, and this certainly relates to me, is that 70 to 90% apparently has been uh, referred to in certain researches is how much time we spend in survival mode. I don't know whether that's a reflection of the society we live in, but in that mode, creating things, loving, exploring, being curious, they're just not relevant when you have the sense that your house is on fire. I guess the way that we define success in our culture, the way that the importance we give to the physical level of the identification, the survival of the fittest idea, material wealth and all those kind of things, it, it leads us away from exploring those other dimensions, the more subtle dimensions of the creative side. And a lot of the beliefs and ideas and concepts that are based on that focus of our energy the focus on the negative the focus on the unintended and the proportion of time that things turn out not the way we want to we end up through these ideas positioning the world as being against us and everyone else also we end up feeling like everything is about competing and comparing just working yourself to the bone this is the only way to earn success to win to conquer to be happy and to get that ultimate payoff the survival state for me is is an intellectually driven one it belongs all in the mind it's about these old ideas and conclusions giving us this logic about preparation, how to get guarantees, uh, seeking out threats, creating worst case scenarios, manipulating situations, controlling other people, doing whatever we can, all through this sort of formula-based approach. All the energy we have moves up to the head and we end up so lost away from that feeling realm, out of the ground, feeling completely destabilized and a little bit lost and all over the place. This is just from my perspective, something that when looking at even just people kicking balls, one of the things that's so, so powerful is just to ask someone to make sure they feel their feet deep in the ground throughout the entire 
the skill throughout the entire action. And having this anchor creates this traction. It creates a sense of being at home. It creates this impossibility with jumping to stress, losing your flowing, relaxed tempo, just having your feet in the ground. And this can be done again with breathing and looseness in the body as well. But the opposite of this, that fight or flight in the survival mode, every decision now lives in that space. And fight or flight, when you have these, or certainly when I have these issues flooding my mind, fight or flight means solve. It means get rid of feelings, thoughts. It means avoid them. It means block out. It means anything but face. And the stress that we're receiving through all of this and that we're putting ourselves through it's not as intense as that kind of run away from the the predator and and fight for your life idea but it's not far off the body sees it's pretty much the same almost and it's on a chronic drip feed the more and more of this we have maybe the more and more we're losing that sense of what it is to really really relax to really really just flow and as so many of our guests have pointed out, we're starting to forget our potential that needs to be remembered. We go from effortless ease in that trust and that worth, that self-worth, to dis-ease and struggle. And living in the mind means, and this is a big one for me, that memory and imagination take control of us. We live still suffering what happened 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago and also live suffering also what we can't stop thinking may happen in 10 minutes or 10 years. Regret, fear of failure, anger, frustration, resentment, and anxiety, they become an absolute reality. It's so difficult to see anything else as being possible when deep in that survival mode. And I know I've been there so, so often. So one of the questions we've had is about judgment judging others, being judged and all those kind of things and, and maybe how to move away from that. And for me, judging others has been out of this survival state. It's been a way of surviving my insecurities by pointing people away from them, by me not having to deal with them, deflecting onto other people, by making myself feel a bit more powerful, a bit better through referencing them as bad so that I can feel good or useless so that I can feel useful or unworthy so that I can finally briefly feel worthy. It's also been about using others in this way to get them to feel a certain way about me in that manipulation way, doing whatever it takes, I guess, this whole thing seems to be about to move from happy to happier or what's more likely in this survival state to move from unhappy to slightly less unhappy. And it seems to be we're all living this kind of equation. The fact is, is that in judgments, it's never actually about who we're judging. It's never about who our opinion is letting rip on. It's more about us. It's more says so much more about our own conclusions, our own beliefs and what's going on inside us. And to follow on with that, we've had questions about awareness and acceptance as well, about how these things are working, how to get into them, especially if you're so focused on perfectionist angles or, or in this fear survival state. And there's no doubt the shift from that survival to the create state for me feels like it's guided by this almost conduit or this uh, middleman almost or middlewoman of awareness and acceptance 
these are two infinite faculties that we possess in that nothing can trump them. There's nothing we can experience outside of our awareness and there's nothing that we can't accept. There's nothing that's bigger than our ability to accept. So whether we can't accept something, we can always accept that we can't accept it. We have that possibility. And when we do accept, we head into those uncharted areas of new space where new opportunities lie, where new choice feels like it may exist. But these two, as I said before, infinite faculties, they don't serve that old self either or any pre-existing beliefs. They don't support anything. They just reveal some distance between us and those ideas which are driving that cycle so that we can disentangle just a little bit from our thoughts and feelings in an effortless way, therefore becoming a bit less reactive and definitely for once stepping outside of the cycle to find that space to breathe and see a different reality. Awareness and acceptance for me are a huge part of another thing that's become massively important in my life, which is meditation. And in simply closing my eyes and sitting in the midst of these thoughts and feelings with this awareness, it has definitely in some way worked its magic in shifting these energy states. Awareness just doesn't mean analysis. That's a big one I've been caught up in massively. Looking at thoughts and thinking, what do they mean? And trying to work out, how am I doing? It's just the mind taking over again, looking for that old comfort and control. And acceptance doesn't mean condoning anything either. It doesn't mean that what we're accepting, we're saying is now okay or right or wrong. It's simply accepting what is. It just means that we surrender to the now and recognize that it's, it's in its nature, it's inevitable. The now is inevitable. Meditation for me is fascinating, such a, an incredible way because what a devoted practice it is, but it doesn't have a target. We can't know where we're going with it because then we're not doing it. We can't know our potential, otherwise it's not our potential. And I'm not at all used to this idea. I grew up as a perfectionist. I needed to know what good and bad were ahead of time, what right and wrong were, so that I could make everything just so. I was just so happy when I had an opportunity to track my progress, to critique myself, to to just keep an eye on everything, to get that security, the guarantees. I needed all that. I love knowing that the more I put in, the more that I was going to get out too. But all of that belongs to the relative world, time and space and others. What we're looking in this space is the world beyond that, that, it, that includes that, but is not of it. So to simply be and allow is so much more powerful. So to just keep bringing myself back to awareness, whether it's awareness of breath or sensations or just that inner space, every time I find myself recruited by thoughts and sent on some wild goose chase around the crazy fictional world, it is a challenge, but it's a challenge about stepping into that unknown. It's a challenge of, of no doing, just being. And it's a humbling path. It's such a humbling path because every obstacle when it comes to internal resistance, is not about conquering something. It's about a need for something to be accepted. And this means that vulnerability of surrendering those normal defenses, those needs to turn everything into the way it should be so that I can continue to stay as I am. But when we're talking about potential, 
we're talking about growing and expanding. We're talking about the need for discomfort, the need for that curiosity, the need for the known to become the unknown so that growth and exploration become staples of our daily life. So some of our questions we've had as well have been about loss of confidence and self-doubt and also about getting lost in these external outcomes. And in my experience, I've started to realize that confidence is not something I can lose. It's just something I can disconnect from when I shift energy states. When I shift from one where everything seems so simple, so clear and allows me that total engagement to another where everything looks so damn difficult and so tricky and I get lost with that mental idea that I'm going to work it out and have to try against all the odds. And there's certain things in my life that have triggered this shift according to those beliefs that I have at the time about success and failure. Maybe you miss a few kicks in a game and you go from feeling great to suddenly it's all about, oh my God, what about the next one? And in that new energy state, I then feel pressure and I see the idea of letting people down. I see a difficult future ahead and a completely different past as well. It's not that this is a truth of life, just that it belongs to that energy state. The key that I found is to allow these things to be and feed the shift to a create state by following whatever excitement and passion I can find in me at that time, to find whatever I can do to feel the freedom, to come back to that feeling of me, to find that worth, to do whatever I love doing and return to that feeling real. And it doesn't matter if it lasts one minute, five seconds or two seconds. If you've got one minute to put your favorite song on, find a corner and just let yourself go. If you want to dance to that sport, you might tell people just to wander off, take their time and rehearse a kick without the ball and just make it the most beautiful kick. Imagine themselves as the most effortless, genius version of who they are and feel every single atom of that strike as you do it. Even feel the crowd, hear the crowd shouting and see the ball doing exactly what you want it to do. These sort of things do create a shift. Maybe you have to do them a few times, but following passion and excitement is feeding whatever's in there as the energy state of create. There's always, I feel in my life, what I've found is that no matter how deep the survival state, within it there is some creativity and my link to it is through excitement and passion. My link to the survival is about that need for just control, manipulation and security and guarantee. Two completely different directions. An interesting idea I think also to think of in this way is that sometimes to ask yourself, as I do to me, if I knew that this next moment or event was absolutely going to turn out beautifully for me, it's going to be magnificent. I don't know how or why, but I just know it's going to be beautiful for me. Then how would I go about engaging in the process of it? How would I feel how would I look what would my energy be and it's amazing what that can do when you suddenly realize you can just touch on that deserving nature that we have within us what it also tends to reveal to me is it's amazing how much we behave according to the idea that the situation is going to turn out horribly we must be believing that it's going to turn out horribly to act the way we do leading up to it I think of myself in changing rooms just 
absolute horror trying to control everything the idea must be that it's going to go terribly and it's my job to control it rather than having the idea that it's going to be beautiful and put myself in that creative state that allows me to handle whatever comes to me with such effortless ease spontaneity intuition inspiration the same way a sporting genius might receive say for example in soccer a pass that's not quite where they want it but what it does is it seems to trigger something even more incredible as they go and explore their ability to respond to something that they weren't expecting in that creative state. It's the moments where the biggest highlight reels have been created, whether it be in any sport. It's so interesting to understand that, that simply being open to allowing the unintended and to use the create state to work with it is what takes us to new places. The fact is for me is that looking at it over a long time, I've come to realize a little bit more that the outcome is just not our responsibility in any way. As soon as we start to move in that direction, we leave our lane, we overreach, we stretch and we become completely unstable as we, as we do. Our responsibility, I feel, is just purely in our involvement and our contribution. And when we devote ourselves to that strong but loose and committed but effortless energy state, then our performance actually in remaining so separate from the outcome can find an influence and a control over the external that blows us away. And this is definitely something that I've experienced. So we've had another question which I want to carry on talking about that just for the last few seconds about self-esteem and separating it from accomplishments and failures. And at this point, it makes sense to speak about this idea about taking credit for what we've done and the way things have turned out, whether it's good or bad, or even in relationships. Now, I see that we can embrace our desire hugely to set the conditions for our potential to come through us, but we can't take credit or ownership of our potential. Believing that, from my experience, that I have just hit a great kick will then automatically lead me to try to reproduce it. And in doing this, I set completely different conditions around this next kick, change the energy state, and of course get something so much less than the previous one, but with so much more stress and effort. It's so interesting this simply by thinking that I own or did the last one, I then take the responsibility of trying to make the next one happen. When the truth is the first one was an exploration, the second one is an effort control. To keep coming back to this unknowing and leave everything as an exploration of control is what keeps surprising us and keeps us fresh, keeps us energized, keeps us vibrant and keeps us exploring and venturing and growing into that amazing space of possibility the ego likes to take credit for things that have gone well also likes to shoot blame often at ourselves but also definitely at others for what has not gone well but this only leads to greater stress and pressure and also a decline in performance inspiration spontaneity enjoyment and passion just look at any person that's had a long career. Look at the stages of when they're young and fresh and look at what happens even when they win loads of them. Basically, just talking about myself here, but when you win, you win things. What happens afterwards? It's not about 
those trophies taking you to new levels of performance. It's setting the internal conditions and so often the beliefs and understandings we have about trophies and about success and recognition are what take control through our beliefs of our internal environment and then take away that opportunity to be inspired. Again, just look at a team holding on to an unbeaten record. Basically, even the greatest story we believe about ourselves, it still limits us compared to the liberation of no story, just pure intention for this next moment. And as we use each external creation as an opportunity to deepen our engagement into our own internal environment, then we can open up these new experiences of life and new depths to relationships that transcend those concepts of judging others. We become fascinated with our role as creator and far less attached to what's created through us. As the saying goes, trophies, possessions, status, memories, whatever it is, we can't take them with us wherever we go at the end of this life but we can set the conditions beautifully for a fully-fledged next moment, right up until the very end. And if we're willing to embrace awareness and acceptance and remain humbly curious about who we are, that next step is always going to be a phenomenal one and one worth living for. So I hope that's been of some kind of interest. Basically, for me, it's been fun doing it, and I do hope it's maybe created some kind of new doorways or or space for people that have sent in questions please do send in whatever you're after whatever they might be i'll also do a few about some of the more rugby based ones i'm happy to dive back into my old uh, shirt for that one but just to say thank you so much for your interest i'm amazed that people listen to these podcasts i'm amazed that you send in your ideas and i'm amazed at some of the messages we've received just about the fact that you may feel it's having a bit of a positive effect on your life but thank you so so much for your support do hang about for thursday's episode which is a beauty and uh, there's plenty more to come after that so thank you so much my name is johnny wilkinson this is the i am podcast with guru mook So that's it for another episode of I Am. It's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all. If you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest, then all the information you need is in the show notes. I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. But until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson and this has been I Am.